What's up, y'all? It's your girl, Nurse Ree, and you're tuning in to Forensic Nurse Files. This is an informative but fun true crime podcast that follows the careers of three forensic nurse examiners. We just want to note that this podcast uses foul language, some sarcasm, and contains descriptions of adult themes and violence that some people may find disturbing. So if you need support, please check the show notes or visit our website. Hey everyone, it's Nurse Ree. Thanks for coming back to another episode of Forensic Nurse Files. Today we have another brave guest who wants to share their story with us, and we really hope that by sharing these stories, we can empower those who have been assaulted in any kind of way and let those that are going through anything even remotely close to these situations that we're talking about know that they're not alone. So with that being said, I'm going to turn the mic over to our guest, let her introduce herself, maybe give us a little background, and let her tell us why she chose to share her story today. Hi, I'm Liv, or V, whichever. I'm 21. Um, I'm from New Jersey, always been from New Jersey. My first experience with a sexual assault, I was um, 14 years old. I had just started my freshman year of high school. I was a freshman as well as one of my best friends, Alana. She was also a freshman. We were both in NJROTC, which if people don't really have any knowledge on that, it's basically like, I feel like the best way to explain it, sorry if my microphone's bugging out a bit. I feel like the best way to like explain ROTC is like a military class. You learn like about the military, you wear uniforms, do, you know, PT, like, There's different, like, extracurriculars inside of ROTC, like, all things like that. I was in Navy ROTC. So one of my best friends, Alana, her older brother was also senior in ROTC. I also knew that um, Alana's brother was really, really shy. So he was, but he was really sweet. We had kind of like a tight-knit, like, group, me and Alana, we had like a great deal of friends, but like we, me and Alana usually stuck with each other just because after a drill team, which is the extracurricular that we would do with ROTC, which her brother was also on, I would just walk to her house because it wasn't too far from the high school and my family life in general just sucked. So I never wanted to go home in the first place. So going to Alana's was always like a great way for me to, you know, get my mind off of things until. I eventually had to go home. So the guy that assaulted me was Alana's brother. His name was Conrad. He was he was a senior, but he was 19. So a bit of backstory on um, him as well as Alana. They're both Filipino. Alana, her mother, and her dad, just until she was 12 years old, lived family of three. Just her, her dad, her mom. And then, you know, she was from America, always lived in uh, New Jersey also. And then one day, she was about 12 years old, and her mom comes downstairs, puts a laptop in front of her, and says, you have an older brother that lives in the Philippines. He's coming live with us now. Wait, what? Just out of nowhere? (laughs) Yeah, just completely out of nowhere. First time Alana had found out that she had a brother. She, her mom turns on the laptop and goes, here, video chat with your brother. So that is how she found out she had a brother. And then 
he came to America. I didn't know him, and I don't believe I knew Alana at this time. But I do know now that since he was in the same grade as my sister, he knew her vaguely. My sister was also one of like the shy, kind of outcast kids, and he always just kept himself, especially coming from a completely different country, living your whole life in the Philippines, just to all of a sudden be shoved in America. You know, obviously I would be the same, not really talking to anyone. So a bit more of Conrad's backstory. In the Philippines, him and Alana don't have the same dad. They have the same mom. But Conrad's biological father, I'm pretty sure, his father was a drug lord in the Philippines. And so Conrad himself was exposed to physical, mental, verbal, sexual abuse for, as far as I know, his whole life. He showed me before, like, he has, like, a small scar in his back from getting stabbed in the back with, like, a pencil when he was younger. You know, it, like, my brain can't even imagine going through what he went through and then pack it up sent to a different country. Here's the sister you didn't even know existed. Now you live, went from Philippines your whole life to living in America, end of middle school, just starting high school, which is a rough enough time for anyone. But to flash forward to the timeline for this is uh, 2016, fall 2016. That's when I started my freshman year. I would start going to Alana's house Really consistently, my dad would come pick me up because she didn't live too far from our house. So he would get done work, come pick me up. And I remember one of the first times hanging out there, I'm pretty extroverted, friendly. And I asked mom, I was like, oh, where's your brother? Because, you know, I know he's a really shy kid, but I always like to make people feel included, especially like siblings, of course. And since he was also an ROTC and, you know, like... I just felt like he's shy, lonely. Alana was kind of the same when I first met her, you know. So he wasn't there that day. Just hung out with, like normal. And then, you know, just come over. Sometimes he would be there and her room was downstairs. His bedroom was, or her room was upstairs. His bedroom was downstairs. And most of the time, rather than us going upstairs and hanging out in her room like we would before, we would wind up going into his bedroom. Now, the way it was set up, they changed it around a bit, but I remember when I first started going there, there was two, like, twin beds each side of the room. So even though he was the only one in the room, at this time, it was just his room, his room alone. At this time, Conrad started to develop feelings for another girl that me and Lana were friends with at the time. Her name was Maddie. There would be times that I noticed Alana just kind of seemed tense when we were all in the room together. And around this time, it was before um, homecoming and Conrad's crush on our one friend, Maddie, just kept growing and growing more to looking back now, I could say with confidence was an obsession. He he was an incredibly talented artist. One of the most talented artists I've ever seen. 
so he had the mentality that grand gestures, I guess you could say, were the way to win her. So to ask her to homecoming, he drew a portrait of her. It looked like a picture, just an amazing portrait, a big sign asking her to homecoming. And one of those giant like stuffed animals, I still remember it was a panda bear that had like a heart, like holding like a heart. And she rejected him because she was smart. She knew how to stand her ground and she couldn't just be manipulated by hearing everyone go, oh my God, that's so sweet. How could you say no to something like that? Which is pretty damaging to hear as, you know, a 14 year old, you know? Yeah, I bet that was super embarrassing for him. Yeah. So me and Alana were just hanging out as we usually did. And it seems like almost routine at this point. We would hang out for a bit and then she would say, let's go hang out with my brother. So we would go in her brother's room and just hang out. And sometimes he wouldn't even just talk. He would just listen to what, whatever we were talking about doing. I remember that night. At some point, her brother got up, said, I'm going to go take a shower. And gave her a look and she looked back. And then he went in the bathroom, started the shower. And, um... Alana looks at me and just goes, would you want to suck his dick? And I mean, I was thrown off. I said, no. And she asked me and she just was telling me, he likes you a lot. He really, really has a huge crush on you. And he, he just really likes you. I think you should do it. And it got to the point of her almost begging me so he got out of the shower me and her hung out in there for a little bit and then the mood was obviously off and we went in her living room because I guess that's where we were gonna sleep and I could just tell that Alana was in a mood I just didn't like the way the vibes <laughs> felt and I just thought Maybe I should just go in and talk to him. And so I went in his room and I sat on the edge of his bed. It's been seven years now. Um, so I can't remember each detail, but I do remember saying, do you think Lana would have a problem if we kissed? Because I just wanted to see at first if he would say anything about, you know, Alana's opinion on things to see if he would already be like oh well I told Alana I wanted you to do this and like straight up tell me what he had wanted Alana to do and he said no I don't think there's a problem if we kissed and so I said okay and I leaned over and I kissed him and then from there it progressed and he turned off the lights locked the door and I remember even though her parents bedrooms were also upstairs I remember Alana sitting either outside the room or 
against one of the walls playing music, I guess, to, like, keep things a little bit quiet. And the thing that, as a 14-year-old with a bare minimum sexual experience, I just thought, oh, I lost my virginity. I didn't think I was going to. I thought a kiss would be enough. I thought maybe he just wants some type of, I guess, intimacy, romance, affection, even. And even though I didn't want to, you know, be all over him and be the person that he could use for oral or just sex in general. I just thought a sweet kiss would be a way to just extend anything because he had mentioned or he had told me, which it's not true, that he was a virgin, hadn't kissed anyone, had always had issues with girls, even when he lived in the Philippines. And he was insecure. He was suicidal. The issue that he just had with our friend Maddie rejecting him was the end of the world. So for a long time, I would, I never saw it as a soul for a while. I just saw it as something that would happen, you know, and it happened a couple times from October to February was the last time I ever went to that house. So it kind of, the other assaults kind of blend together sometimes. I remember bits and pieces, but it would kind of be a routine. I would hang out at Alana's. We would wind up going in her brother's room. She would leave the room, lock the door, and stuff would happen with me and him. And... I mean, I know you guys are only 14 at this time, but it almost sounds like she's kind of setting you up for this. That is something that I will touch on also, because it's something that was in the back of my mind at those points but it was also pushed in the back of my mind because I didn't want to think that way if that makes sense and another thing that would always make me feel guilty or dramatic or deserving was even when I tell this story now to people people would say why did you keep going back why did you keep hanging out at her house if you realized it was almost routine? And a lot of the times it was just because my toxic family household, I didn't want to be there. And even though every time I went to Alana's, I prayed things wouldn't happen the way that they had happened each other time. But in my brain... I was somewhere different and I at least had a sliver of hope that 
I wouldn't have to go through that that time that I came over. And I would also know at least I'll still have Alana and in a fucked up way, at least I feel like someone wants me around. So I mentioned routine. She would leave the room and I would... It's like we all kind of knew. It was just whenever the timing was right. And another thing, both of them spoke it, um, Tagalog. And I would notice they would text each other. And they would do it discreetly. Obviously, they didn't want me to realize. But to be even more discreet, they would speak in a different language. So there would be times, you know, in the back of my head, my mind would be even more. They're doing this on purpose. This is just a thing that happens. And for a while, I didn't even see it as being assaulted. I was just having sex with this guy. And the few friends that did know that I was, you know, scandalous, sleeping with a senior, upperclassman, you know, NS4 and ROTC, like, they would be like, that's concerning, that's a bad idea, don't, you know, but other people that knew Conrad wouldn't see him as a bad person, because most people didn't have an opinion. He was just a quiet dude that didn't really talk to anyone and most of the time was watching Alana like a hawk a lot of pushing it off as overprotective big brother but everything in between um kind of I feel like is a blur but there are like certain instances can't put them in a exact timeline but that I remember just that that like have still affected me if that makes sense so Liv where were Alana and Conrad's parents during the time when this was occurring a lot of the times um both of their parents wouldn't come home from work until after we were already home from drill team even if drill team had run late um I forget what her father did for work but her mom was a nurse so she worked long hours all different shifts so um she wouldn't really be home often during um when we would get home from like school or drill practice yeah there were a few things that progressed me to realize something this isn't a sexual relationship this isn't you know I'm 14. I've done sexual things in the past. Almost lost my virginity, but didn't. I started to notice it was like, I'm not really having sex with this person because I'm going there excited to have sex with him and waiting to have sex with him and being like, I really hope that there's a chance that I do because I made the realization I never wanted to. It was always obligation, I guess you could say. And something I had learned in um, therapy uh, years later 
was, um, you know, you always hear fight or flight, but it's fight, flight, freeze. So my brain was always like, why didn't I just leave? Why didn't I just run? Why didn't I hit him? Why didn't I hurt him? You know, he was not a big guy. I'm five feet. He's the same height as me. I just, I just froze. And I didn't know for a long time that that's a natural thing. That's something that happens to so many people. And so many people don't even, they know fight or flight. They never realize how common it is to freeze. <laughs> it took a very long time for me to even accept that what was happening was not a sexual relationship. It was an obligation I did not sign up for. It, and um, another thing which um, I only... Um, just was able to um, see these messages very, very recently, scrolling all the way back seven years in my um, in my Instagram DMs. I wound up finding um, DMs between me and him on his old Instagram that's now deleted, and reading through those, I realized a lot of things I hadn't thought about and like a long time and reading the those messages those dms really helped open my eye even more to how he treated me during that period because so many of those texts were him talking about how suicidal he was how much he would self-harm how worthless he felt on the basis of Maddie not reciprocating his feelings, how worthless he felt because of just life in general. And he wouldn't always go into specifics, but he made sure I knew that he was hurting. A lot of the time, especially because I was dealing with my own thoughts like that. I've dealt with suicidal thoughts, mental illness since I was late elementary, early middle school. And hearing him talk about, I should just kill myself, cut myself, and then have his periods where he would tell me, I'm the only thing that makes him feel better. Or after in the soul you know, laying with me like sweetly, you know, and telling me that how much I had mattered to him and how much I care about him and how much I help him, you know, it made me feel like I was a saving grace for someone that is hurting so bad. And I would remind myself of that every time I had apprehension, anytime I had, you know, some type of back of the mind thought, why am I doing this? If I'm not doing it for myself. I'm doing it to try to repair someone, which obviously this isn't going to repair anyone. And especially, you know, him telling me, oh, you know, I'm a virgin. I'm 19 years old. You know, it felt like I could be someone 
special. I could help him for the better by showing him, you know, something that I'm known to do, which is showering people in love, affection, extreme gratitude, extreme love, especially when I know that they really need it. So around this time, I started speaking to a therapist. Um, I didn't speak to her long. I can't remember exactly why it started, but I had started to mention the situation with Conrad, just telling her about my life. And she was the one that made me realize that it was a soul. Just because I don't have a gun to my head and I'm not tied up doesn't mean I wasn't assaulted. Coercion is still a form, which I didn't know. I don't know. For me, the big thing here is that you're only 14 at the time and he's 19. He's a full-blown adult. So no matter how anyone wants to look at it, you know, statutory rape in some states is less than 18 years old. Others, it's less than 16. But you're only 14 when this is happening. Yeah. I I thought, you know, I didn't want to do it. But, I mean, I did it. So, you know, I did it. <laughs> how did that make you feel? It definitely, it made me rethink almost everything and all the things I had pushed to the back of my mind because I felt, no, don't, don't think that, don't assume that, don't let your brain go dark, you know. They started coming to surface and a realization I made a lot was even though it wasn't consciously, I guess you could say, I always felt that I knew if it wasn't me, it was going to be Alana. And I had to <laughs> take one for the team while I, <laughs> while I could. And it's weird because I was doing it, but... I didn't realize until later that I was doing it. I could tell even from the beginning the way that Lana just kind of begged me that, you know, she just started getting more and more desperate and anxious about it. She, she really wanted me to. So throughout those months, there are a few points that I remember and one of the most disturbing to me to this day, I woke up one day and I was in his bed. He had his arms wrapped around me and he had Alana on the bed standing over top of us taking pictures on his phone of him just cuddling me and holding me like sweetly, romantically. And I guess they didn't notice I woke up so I just pretended I was asleep. and. I stirred a bit. I guess they were like, oh, she's going to wake up soon. And then, you know, I guess tried to assume it was normal. I was confused why I was there. And then their mom just started knocking on the door, telling them they have to clean. They had family coming over. And I, I left pretty shortly after that. But that's when I started getting the more, something's wrong. <laughs> something's really wrong. And then... 
end of December 2016. I had actually just started talking to this guy. His name was David. And he wound up becoming my first boyfriend. We weren't official for a bit. You know, just talking, talking, getting to know each other from end of December to beginning of February. So that time, I was still close with Alana. And I would still go over there sometimes. And around this time is when their um, one uncle came to uh, live with them. So he... I believe him and Conrad actually wound up sharing a room and the other room became a storage room. And I remember the one day I came over and there was just piles of laundry in the spare bedroom, which is um, where Conrad was laying on the bed. And Alana came in and said something about folding all the laundry. And I saw her slip something under one of the piles of laundry. And I knew it was a condom. I knew it was, but I didn't say anything. And then Alana left the room. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> and I was sitting on the floor, and Conrad says, come lay, come just lay on the bed. So I, I go, okay, I'll lay on the bed. And I'm not trying so hard not to cuddle him, touch him. So he goes over. He starts leaning on me, touching me. And he... Didn't do anything. And I actually do have it. He had DM'd me. I'm sorry for attempting, Liv. I didn't mean to do that. And I said, it's fine. He goes, it's not really. And I say, I'm not mad. He says, well, I'm mad at myself. And I just said, don't be. Because for a long time, and even now... I always have the little savior in me that I know so, so well how it feels to be at rock bottom, dark places. So for me to see another person say they're that way, I just always feel like I have to do something. I have to help. So I felt like I even saying something to upset him, even me being like, no, what you did was wrong. Like, would be enough for him to go, you know, the, oh my God, I'm so terrible. I should just kill myself route, which I've experienced plenty of times since. My sister was in cooking class with Conrad and him, shy, didn't talk to much people. They were in the same group in cooking class. And one day he just says, hey, can I add you guys on Snapchat? And he never used Snapchat, and everyone was like, yeah, sure, why not? Don't see why, like, any reason why not. So he adds my sister and a few other people. But for whatever reason, I wasn't there that day. And my sister says to me, this is what she had told me. She goes on Snapchat, and the first story she opens is Conrad's, and it is a naked picture of Alana wait what one of her like a nude as if she like sent it to someone not like a caught off guard like sneak picture it's like she had taken it herself so my sister immediately gets up I don't think her face was shown in it but you could tell just by her body type and she says to Alana 
is this you? And Ivana starts to freak out, obviously break down. And our another one of our friends immediately went to go find him. I, I think Conrad wound up coming into the library right after, and he almost got very badly injured, to say the least, if the administration didn't step in. They wound up bringing him down to the resource officers and call the parents, obviously, and they're like, hey, so your son posted your sister's nudes on Snapchat. And they had an option on whether or not to, like, press charges or, like, some type of investigation because, like, even removing the incest aspect, this is a 19-year-old posting a 14-year-old's nudes on Snapchat. I mean, I have no words. I'm really just mind blown. And the fact that it is her brother should make it even worse. Her parents said no. They wanted to deal with it themselves. So his punishment was getting suspended and he couldn't go to our ROTC military ball, which was definitely a huge blow. That seems like a very lenient punishment. Bare minimum punishment, but pretty good punishment. So, um, to go back towards February, me and David are dating officially. Me and Lana have kind of, um, strayed a, a, a little bit. And also because it was colder weather, it's more hard to walk to her house after school. And I just started dating David, spending a lot more time with my boyfriend. And then there was one night that my older sister, I believe, needed condoms. So I just texted Lana and I'm like, hey, if me and Gianna walk down to your house, do you have a condom that she could take? And she was like, yeah, sure. But that was the last night that I ever slept over Alana's or even went to the house. Because um, it started out me, Lana, um, Conrad, and Uncle, I'm pretty sure he was, a couple years older than um, Conrad, went to McDonald's, had a nice but off-putting dinner. I just felt like something was off, something was weird, and I didn't like the vibe so I said Lana let's just go up in your room so we went up in her room and um Conrad also had another friend his name was Nate and he was also a senior and Conrad had a hatred for Alana's boyfriend Liam and basically convinced her manipulated most likely manipulated her to start some type of romantic-ish relationship with this guy, Nate. And I realized that is why she had bought the condoms. And in her bedroom, she had like an open closet, open walk-in closet. And I remember I saw her grab a condom from the top shelf under all of her stuffed animals. And she tried to pretend that I... Like, she assumed, I guess, that I couldn't see it. 
So I pretended I didn't. And she starts saying, let's go downstairs and watch a movie. I didn't want to go downstairs because her brother and her uncle were down there. And I didn't want to spend time with them. And I kept saying, no, I want to spend time with you. I don't want to go down there. And she got upset with me. She just kept insisting. And I, I, I put my foot down. I told her, no, I don't, I don't want to go down there. I don't want to watch a movie. I want to stay up here. And she tells me, then you're going to have to stay up here because I'm going down there. And if you want to leave, they're not going to take you home. And I said, fine. And at some point, she does go downstairs and spends the night down with them. And I spend the night up in her bedroom. And then the next morning, I walk home. After a couple of months, it was towards the end of my freshman year. And it just started to really, really weigh on me. Worse and uh, worse. And um, another girl that was in ROTC noticed that something was going on with me. And she asked me, is something happening? Like, is someone hurting you? And I didn't know what to say because I didn't want to admit it, but something was happening and it was hard to say that it wasn't. So I guess I gave her hints on what exactly had happened and she connected the dots pretty easily because I said, you know, like ROTC, she's a freshman related to a senior, you know, it wasn't hard to narrow down. And I got called down to my vice principal. They asked me my story and I told them everything. And I said, just don't tell my parents, please. Cause even still to this day, I don't have a good relationship with my parents and my parents are the least understanding people on the planet. I could get shot and they would ask why I was in front of the bullet. You know, those type of parents. Which is... I I didn't... I didn't want my parents to know. But, thanks to my lovely sister's work ethic, she was on track to not graduate. <laughs> so my dad, it was towards the end of the year, had to go to the school and meet with our administration that very next day to talk about my sister being able to graduate. And as soon as that meeting was over, they pulled my dad to the other room and said, by the way, there's something else about your other daughter we need to talk about. I didn't go to school that day because I kind of felt like I knew what was going to happen. And my dad comes home, wakes me up and goes, what the fuck happened with Alana's brother? And I just, just, I don't want to fucking talk about it. Don't talk to me. I don't want to talk about it. I just instantly went into defense mode. And the worst part I could say is they slowly and slowly stopped believing me and stopped taking me seriously. I wouldn't exactly say I was a troublemaker in high school, but I, I did get in a bit of trouble, but it was mostly due to, I don't know, talk, talking back, I feel like is my biggest thing. I'm Cuban, I'm Italian, and I'm from New Jersey. It's the, it, like, I, I can't help it. And I'm, I was 
usually a very timid, shy, respect authority girl, but I think there came a point where I realized that a lot of high school administration don't care about their students. And this situation really solidified it because after a while, I realized more and more that they weren't believing me. I could tell that they saw it as this girl's a wild card. This girl got, you know, herself mixed up with her best friend's brother, slept with him, lost her virginity, whatever, now takes it back, now says rape. And just the stupidity because, you know, you, you really don't know. You really don't know with sexual assault cases because there's only two people there. And, you know, it's, this sounds like a, the worst thing to say, but two sides of every story. You know, I always believe victims. Always. Especially because of my story. I feel like even if I was, you know, some type of bullshitter, if somebody comes and has a sexual assault claim... I didn't even report myself. Someone else reported due to their concern for me. And this person already has posted his own 14-year-old sister's nudes not even a couple months ago on Snapchat. You know, you. I feel like the police better, you know, look a bit deeper into it than just, you know, brush off that person. But that's what they chose to do. Which is another point I had brought up a lot um also overlooked and I would I completely stopped talking to Alana um obviously I felt like that's kind of what had to be done because you know it just for legal reasons even and obviously wanted nothing to do with Conrad so I remember asking at one point it was the end of the year you know, there's like two weeks left of class and a lot of June, I was also out just for health issues. So there was not even, you know, eight days maybe that I was in school until the end of the year. And I remember asking if I could have a pass to leave class a few minutes early, just so I wouldn't have to pass them in the hallways. And they gave it to me, but they made sure to make me feel like I was over dramatic and I was asking for too much. Even without what they even without saying anything, it's just the looks they would give me, the way they'd whisper. And it drove me insane because, you know, especially when it's not a particularly violent case, the mental is really what destroys me as well as a lot of other victims because you feel like you always have to compare mine wasn't as bad as you know a girl that got like stabbed or held at gunpoint held kidnapped tied up you know but at the same time you know something I've always had to remind myself is everyone's story is different and it doesn't take away from mine but having so many people not even 
like, they wouldn't say to my face they doubt me. But they would tell me they wouldn't, there wasn't anything to do to help me, basically. It was the end of the year. They probably thought, summertime, and then, you know, she'll come back in the fall, it'll blow over. He graduated. Who cares? And then sophomore year starts up. Again, me and Alana are sophomores. Both our older siblings had graduated. Me and her aren't speaking. I had started meeting with a outside counselor um, that would come to the school during my lunch period. It's uh, called Center for Family Services. And um, I was sent a therapist through there to meet at school. Um, just have like an extra counseling session. And I remember one of the first meetings, she had the whole entire list of New Jersey sexual assault laws printed out, and she just gave it to me, and she was like, this is just so you get a better understanding of the legal side, and asked if um, he had been jailed, said no, still doing his thing, (laughs) walking around, um, was set to go into the military towards the end of the year, I believe, Air Force. Um, And when she gave me those papers, I circled every single law that he broke. And I would go to the school resources, or yeah, school resource officers every single day. And they were already sick of me. I would have those papers and I would bring it to them, and I would say, these are the laws that he broke. And every single day, they said, well, there's nothing we could do about it. And I would ask why. And they said, well, we're not pressing charges against him. If your family wants to press charges against him, they could get a lawyer and go right ahead. And I'm like, lawyer? My where the hell am I going to afford a lawyer? <laughs> like, what do you... Y'all are the cops. <laughs> Why do I have to go sue the person that committed the crime, you know? And it got to the point where everyone just treated it as an annoyance. And then <laughs> I was talking to them and this one, like, teacher or whoever, like kind of walks in the office and they cut me off mid-sentence tell me to scooch my chair over and they just sit and have a conversation with her for at least 20 minutes I was sitting there it was my lunch period too I didn't even eat lunch and I was sitting there on my phone and I was like is this actually happening am I actually sitting here trying to discuss being sexually assaulted and These officers are brushing me off every day as they usually do, and even this time, to add insult to injury, they're pretending I'm not even here and having a conversation, laughing and joking, giggling, all that, with a teacher mid-discussion about a 14-year-old getting sexually assaulted with a strong possibility he was also continuing to do it to his younger sister. He still lived there. All right, y'all, we're going to continue with part two of V's story next week. Thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, you can catch us on Instagram and Facebook at Forensic Nurse Files or shoot us an email at ForensicNurseFilesPod at gmail.com. 
If you or anyone you know would like to tell their story on our podcast, feel free to reach out to us. But until next week, y'all stay safe and we'll catch you next time.